Welcome to Ariana Answers. I'm Dr. Ariana Brandolini, a clinical psychologist who lives in New York City. Every week, I answer a life question submitted by a listener like you. In the second season of my podcast, I want to unpack anxiety around situations in life we find ourselves in. Each episode will have two parts. One where I break down the situational anxiety we experience, and the other where I have an expert in the field give us some advice. Would you like your question answered? Head over to the description of this video to submit. Now, let's jump into this week's episode. Productive worry is identifying problems that you can address right now, immediately. Like sending three emails to people at work. Unproductive worry involves imaginary what ifs, a chain of reaction of events that are outside of your control, like, what if I leave my job and then I can't find another one and then I'll regret it? Dear Dr. Ariana, my current job is so stressful and demanding that I feel anxious and worried about it all the time. I'm having dinner with my family, but my mind is only half there. I think about things that I know aren't helpful, like my boss obviously favoring my coworker over me. She jokes with her, but with me, she tends to be very aloof. Or whether I'm meeting performance standards but I wake up in the morning and the worries start to spin and it feels unstoppable. On top of that, because of my job being so stressful, it makes it hard to look ahead and when I come up for air, I realize I've been there for six months when I don't wanna be. I often wonder if I'm even on the right path, but I feel stuck. What if it's too late? What if the job I apply for isn't better than the one I have now and I'll regret it? I tend to doubt myself so much, especially on this topic. As a sole breadwinner, I feel a lot of pressure to stick with it rather than risk something else, but I'm not happy and it feels overwhelming. Dear listener, you are not alone. A lot of what I talk about is around work anxiety with a lot of my patients and even people I know. And that makes a lot of sense. You know, in modern times and in the USA, um, we spend about a third of our time at work. And especially in New York City, one of the first questions you get asked whenever you're anywhere is, so what do you do? These anxieties are wide-ranging and endless. People are worried about what their boss thinks, what their coworkers think, how we are doing compared to our coworkers, when we're gonna get a promotion, what that's gonna look like. We're afraid of losing our jobs and never finding another one, even though we don't like the one we're in now. We worry that because we don't love what we do, that we're actually stuck in the wrong job or that it's too late and we regret our past decisions. We're worried about not being ambitious enough and that we're not as successful as our siblings or as our friends and that we're gonna be deemed a failure. We're worried about our performance, that our work is gonna be criticized. So then we procrastinate our work even more and then we worry about getting our stuff in late. We're worried about taking time off because no one else is taking vacation. So, all of the stuff makes me feel stressed. I'm not a career coach. I can't necessarily give you the ins and outs about how to jump ship into another job or how to put together an amazing resume. But what I can do and what I wanna talk about today is how to overcome unhealthy behaviors related to your job because of anxiety and fear. I wanna help you behave according to your values as opposed to being driven by a lot of the fears that I mentioned um, that are just perpetuating you feeling stuck, feeling overwhelmed. Work issues are stressful for anybody, but especially those diagnosed with clinical anxiety or an anxiety disorder. And that is 40 million people, that's a lot of us. 
over 19% of the population. And when we deal with clinical anxiety, it amplifies all of this stuff and makes us feel even more paralyzed. So let's learn different ways of mitigating these anxious reactions so that we're able to do something different and see a, a clear path forward. I wanna take a second and talk about worry. Worrying is something that we all do, but especially when we're under stress, and especially those who are diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder, one of the main symptoms is chronic worrying, nervousness and tension. Unlike a phobia that is sort of worry specific, right? You wanna avoid something that you're afraid of. Um, worrying in generalized anxiety disorder is diffuse, which means that you worry about pretty much everything. And worry is a pervasive symptom across all of the anxiety disorders, okay? So talking about worry is important. Most worriers are of two minds. Number one, my worry is driving me crazy. And number two, I also need to keep worrying to be prepared. As a result, you might be worried about giving up your worry, which allows it to persist, even though it makes you miserable. Your worry is a strategy that you think is gonna help you when in fact it doesn't. So until you give up this belief, you are going to continue to worry. Let's talk about worrying the brain, okay? What happens when you're worrying? There are primitive emotional centers in our brain. One of them is the amygdala, which is sort of like at the base of your head. And it reacts to potential danger by transmitting an alarm, which then shoots off to your prefrontal cortex, which is right here behind your eyes and forehead. And your prefrontal cortex is where you think about pros and cons, it's where you're able to logic things out. And so then your prefrontal cortex starts to analyze the alarm, which is essentially worry. And then it further signals an alarm back to the amygdala because it can't really figure it out, right? So picture this vicious cycle just escalating and self-perpetuating alarm, worry, alarm, worry. So that's why it feels often uncontrollable and pervasive. People often ask, okay, like, I seem to do this, my mom seems to do this, my dad seems to do this, you know, am I doomed? Well, genetically, apparently, you know, studies have shown that genetically you might have a worry quotient, kind of like your eye color or your height. So it's not necessarily about how much you worry, but it kind of determines the range in which you worry, right? So. Excessive worry shouldn't be given, shouldn't be a given. It doesn't give you an excuse, but it does determine maybe kind of if you have a predisposition to it. There's also biology. So we can be born into the same family with the same genetics, but our personalities are very, very different, right? So biologically speaking, someone who is high on neuroticism, which is a personality trait, um, is sort of a worrier's temperament, right? So these people are highly conscientious. Um, they're sort of hi also highly sensitive children, characterized by having kind of inflexibility and other things. So studies that actually look at heart rates of fetuses and infants suggest that there's actually some hardwiring to worry. So remind yourself to not make yourself responsible for your wiring even though 
we will strive to take responsibility for managing the worry more effectively. Okay, so this should give you some self-compassion that this is okay, this is something I might be predisposed to do. Now let me learn how to manage it in an effective way. And the good news is, is that if you learn these skills, you actually can do it and it improves your life. So one of the ways we start claiming victory over detrimental worry and getting out of these brain loops is actually choosing to engage in productive worry versus unproductive worry. There's a difference. Productive worry is identifying problems that you can address right now, immediately. Like sending three emails to people at work. Unproductive worry involves imaginary what ifs, a chain of reaction of events that are outside of your control. Like, what if I leave my job and then I can't find another one and then I'll regret it, right? So let's look at productive worry first. Best way to identify if a worry is productive in a given situation is if the problem is plausible and reasonable. It's a problem that you can do something about right now or very soon, and you can move quickly from worry to finding solutions to this problem, okay? For example, dear listener, if you want to jump ship and try to find another job, plausible problems are, have I updated my resume? Do I want to talk to people about advice about what my next step should be? Almost everyone would agree that you should get your paperwork and stuff up to date and you should research kind of what's out there, right? Um, another example of a plausible worry is, have I paid my credit card on time? Because we have a tendency to forget stuff like that. Or is that just me? Um, implausible worry would be something like, what if everyone at work hates me and my boss has sabotaged my promotion? Or what if everyone laughs at me when I present at the next team meeting? These are unproductive because they're generally pretty unlikely to happen and also completely outside of our control. Productive worries can be turned into immediate action. I can go online and research jobs. I can update my resume. I can pay my bills. When I find myself worrying about something like a deadline, right? One way I can engage in productive worry versus unproductive worry is saying, is there anything I can do to help my situation right now? So it brings me from the future into the present. Lastly, productive worry is when I can move from unproductive worry into problem solving, right? Quickly leads to action that is possible and practical. So going back to worrying about a deadline, when I catch myself worrying and procrastinating, I can take a moment to define the problem. I have to finish 20 slides by Friday. And I tell myself, okay, all you have to do right now is outline one slide or I'll sit down and come up with a schedule of how I'm gonna divide my time to make sure I get things done, right? So rather than worry, I actually start an action and turn my worry into beginning to problem solve. I also don't reject a solution because it's not perfect, right? That's often why we procrastinate, because we're like, I have to do this whole thing now. No, just do one, just write one paragraph, right? So in contrast to this, Unproductive worry is when you focus on unanswerable questions. Why am I being treated unfairly by my boss, for example? It's a chain reaction of events. My boss will be unhappy, I'm gonna be fired, and then I'm never gonna get another job. 
It's unknowable information like, I wonder what my boss is thinking. And events beyond our control, whether our company will downsize, for example. It's also, as I mentioned, unproductive when you reject a solution because it's not perfect. Or you think you should worry until you feel less anxious and you can control everything, okay? We often think that worry is a way to figure out our problems, avoid surprises, and be prepared for the worst. Or we think worry will actually help motivate us to do a better job. But if we're honest, most of the time there's no evidence that this stuff actually ever happens, right? Worry doesn't help us solve problems or prepare for the worst. When the worst happens, it still sucks, right? So when we engage in unproductive worry, more paralyzed we feel because the anxieties feel overwhelming and unmanageable, right? They feel really, really big. So as you start to pivot and become aware of this into productive worry, it'll actually galvanize you into action and help you gain confidence that you have the ability, you have the capacity and the courage to start taking some of these steps in the right direction. Even if you don't know if it's the right direction, just start, start taking steps so that you don't feel so paralyzed, right? As you start walking, you're gonna figure it out. So, to recap, unproductive worry is when you worry about unanswerable questions. You worry about a chain reaction of events. You reject a solution because it's not perfect and you think you should worry until you feel less anxious or you're in control of everything. Productive worry is when there's a question that has an answer, you focus on a single event and not a chain reaction, you're willing to accept imperfect solutions, and you recognize that you, what you can control and what you can't control. So when you find yourself engaging in unproductive work worry, ask yourself if there's anything you can do about what you're worrying about. If so, do it, plan for it, and if not, think about something productive and more helpful that you can be doing instead. Listen, there's inevitably gonna be a lot of uncertainty around our jobs because there's a lot of uncertainty in life. We can't be completely sure that we're not gonna lose our jobs tomorrow and that what our bosses and our colleagues think of us, how our presentations will turn out, if we're in the absolute right career path. The problem is when we believe that worrying will reduce the uncertainty that we feel. We keep worrying because we believe that eventually we're gonna come up with a perfect solution that's gonna take all our anxiety away. When we're able to practice radical acceptance of uncertainty, we're able to spend less time in worry, feel more relaxed, take more calculated risk, and probably more be more effective at our jobs. Okay, second thing I wanna to talk to you about is goals. So there's lots of stuff out there about how to set goals and how to set effective goals, but I wanna to talk to you about why goal setting is actually a really important skill and a really important practice. When we know the why behind something, we're more likely to actually do it, right? Or at least that's how it works for me. So research, psychological research shows that setting goals, it's linked to higher motivation, higher self-esteem, self-confidence, and autonomy. And research has shown that there's a very strong connection between goal setting and success. If you actually talk to people who are very successful, 
I think 99% of them or something, I made that up, but it's a lot of them, talk about how goal setting was actually really important to get them to where they are. <sighs> Studies also show that goal setting is, essential, is an essential tool to motivate and to drive us to act, not only in our professional lives, but also in our personal lives. It gives meaning to our actions and it gives us purpose to achieve something higher, okay? By setting goals, we're actually developing a roadmap of where we're heading and how we're gonna get there, right? It's a plan that allows us to have some perspective. I mean, if you think about it and you were like airdropped in the middle of a desert and someone said, go find your way to where you wanna go, that'll be really stressful because you have no idea where you're going, right? You'll be wandering around for a very long time. If you actually are able to have a map and say, that's where I wanna go and that's how I'm gonna get there, even if you're dying of thirst, you're gonna be motivated to get there because you know that it's coming. You know where you're going, right? So goals play a dominant role in how we see ourselves and how we see other people. Um, a person who is focused and goal-oriented is more likely to have a positive approach towards life's failures and setbacks. Um, and studies also show that when we train our mind to think about what we want in life and actually work towards reaching it, our brain actually rewires itself to acquire a self-image of this person of us in the future. And it actually becomes kind of a part of our identity. So when we achieve the goal, it, we get a feeling of fulfillment, but when we don't, our brain kind of keeps nudging us and motivating us until we achieve it because it feels like it's a part of us. Psychologists and mental health researchers associate goals with higher predictability of success because, number one, goals trigger behavior. Having a clear goal helps us focus our behavior, right? If you want a car, for example, and someone asks you, what kind of car do you want? And you're like, anything that runs. It's not very motivating, right? But if you say, I'm gonna budget to save $10,000 to then buy a Tesla, I know Teslas are more than that, but give me grace. I'm gonna budget this amount because I'm gonna buy this Tesla at the end of the year. You're, now you actually have something to aspire to, right? So. It's a mental cue that triggers our focus and motivates us to actually begin saving, for example. Goals, number two, goals guide our focus. So when you set a goal, you're naturally focused on the next step, right? You're not actually lost in a bunch of thoughts and nebulous futures. You can actually direct your attention to the next step which is really helpful. For example, when we're dealing with productive and unproductive worry, you're able to anchor yourself to something, right? Number three, goals sustain momentum. Seeing progress is actually addicting. So actually it really is seriously because it releases dopamine in your brain after we attain a reward, okay? So it's like a snowball that grows in size even if it's just a small goal, when you get that dopamine hit, you're like, oh, this feels kind of good. I want to achieve the next one, right? Um, there's this uh, researcher and psychologist called 
Mikhail Siksimahaya, it's an impossible name to pronounce and I'm probably butchering it, but he talks a lot about flow, right? The state of being when we're fully immersed in exactly what it is that we're doing. And so having goals actually helps us gain more states of flow. Number four, goals align your focus. So you get feedback as you're trying to get to like achieve your goals, right? And so as you get feedback when you're trying to attain your goals, it actually allows you to refine them, right? It allows you to pivot in directions when something isn't working, you can try something else. And so the actions you take or avoid offers clues about your values, your beliefs, the challenges that you have, your strengths and your weaknesses, and then allows you to course correct as necessary, right? Number five, goal setting promotes self-mastery. So probably one of the most important reasons why, why goals work is because they actually build our character. People don't really like building character, but building character is essential for living a healthy, happy, productive life. So while the process of goal setting is important because it helps us unearth and identify what's actually truly important to you, actually pursuing your goals is the real moneymaker, literally and figuratively, because it builds self-efficacy. So it develops you as a type of person who can achieve goals, okay? So I don't have time today to get into how to effectively set goals. There are so many resources out there that are amazing. And so people talk about setting goals for the week, for the month, six months, for the year, for three years, for five years. So you can keep focusing yourself into achieving what you want to achieve, right? If you think about it, you know, dear listener, as you mentioned, right, six months go by and you're still where you're at. And so when you have goals, it actually helps you gain momentum to start getting out of that situation. And two years down the line, rather than worrying about it endlessly, you actually find yourself somewhere different, okay? Last but not least, I wanna talk about balance. So a lot of people that I work with, the reason why work is so stressful is because work is the main thing in their life, okay? So when you have problems at work, if 80% of your life is work, it's all that you see. And so one of the keys to actually dealing with work anxiety, because work is gonna be stressful, right? How do you actually build a life outside of your job so that you can actually gain perspective and you can actually have needs met and fulfilled outside of your job, right? Sometimes we believe that our job is gonna fulfill all of our needs. Sometimes we look to our jobs to fulfill our personal needs, right? Things like fairness, things like being appreciated, um, even social connections. And don't get me wrong, all this stuff is important, but we also need to be looking for these, place, these things in the appropriate places, right? And so sometimes a perfect job that is super fulfilling isn't realistic for most of us. Some people have that and that is awesome. But, and you know, in the age of internet and social media, it's really easy to think that that should be our goal. And especially the millennial generation, we're constantly, you know, that mantra of find something you love and you never work a day in your life. Yes, that would be great. However, sometimes it's actually about not finding the perfect job, but trying to build the perfect life, right? 
what do you, can you do outside of your job that fulfills you, that gives you worth, that gives you value? Sometimes even having a healthy perspective on our job and saying, okay, let me find something that I like it enough, but maybe my job is actually what is going to help fund other things that I believe are more my purpose, right? Maybe it's volunteering, maybe it's working with kids, maybe it's doing art. As we actually start to build more space and more room to engage in those things, our work worries and our work stuff actually starts to get smaller and smaller and we'll have a better perspective on it. It won't be so heavy, right? And the ironic thing is, once you actually start investing in these areas of life that are fulfilling and that you care about, if you actually do want to change careers or if you do want to do something related to that, you actually might meet people that will provide those opportunities while you're doing the thing you love. How do we start getting unstuck from paralyzing anxiety when it comes to our work and career? A lot of it has to do with living with intention. Worry is a cruel trick of anxiety. It makes you think that you need to keep doing it when in fact it's just making you miserable and keeping you stuck in the same place. Start becoming aware of your unproductive worry spirals and move them into productive actions. Speaking of actions, if we don't set goals to give us a concrete roadmap to where we want to go, we'll end up wandering around in a desert of rumination and frustration and dissatisfaction. If you don't know where the destination is, make an imperfect educated guess and just start moving. As you start to discover things along the way, it'll be much easier to recognize and pivot into the right direction. Make sure that you're balancing your life with other passions and interests and relationships outside of work to fulfill those personal needs, to maintain perspective, and who knows, you might just stumble upon the opportunity of a lifetime.